I really want to encourage what we're doing with the Bible study on Wednesday night. You know, guys, for many years now, I've done my best to preach the Word of God and to teach God's Word, and I really feel like that God's wanting us to receive an impartation. I said part of this last week, and I, I don't want to just re-over and over reiterate it, but I believe that the Word needs to become flesh. I believe that we've been predestined to be conformed to the image of Christ and that we need to be more like Him in everything we say, do, everything we are. And I think our hearts are right in trying to do that, and we're headed that way, but at the same time, I feel like that just getting up and preaching a message and talking about the message is more than just preaching it. You can preach and receive and get parts out of it, but there's, there's a lot more when we can sit down and look at certain things and, and, and discuss it and look at it. And uh, so Wednesday nights, that's what we're going to be doing. I don't have the format together of how to get my notes. I mean, you have to understand that my notes are sitting here, and this is just written out. It's handwritten. After... Uh, on Monday morning, I go in, and uh, I mean, I'm not going to finish today what I got started, but anyway, um, we give them, Stephanie types them up, and we have them, and, and, and uh, we're going to start looking at, at how we can get it to you, whether you can email it or have questions or certain things, but we're, we're still working that, and I'm open for suggestions of what may be good for you if you participate in the Wednesday night Bible study, so I just, just encourage you to be a part of that. Today I want to begin and open the service with reading you a verse of scripture from Hebrews chapter 12, Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 28, and I want to make sure that everybody hears how I begin this. Hebrews 12 verse 28 says, therefore, which brings together some other things that we're not going to take time to read right this moment. It says, therefore, since we are receiving, everybody just say receiving. Since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken. Y'all understand that's the kingdom of God. It is a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, listen to me, we as a nation are going through a shaking. But this verse doesn't say, since we are receiving a kingdom that can't be shaken, let us get mad. That's not what it says. Since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken. Listen to me. The kingdom of God that we are receiving can't be shook. So what in you is getting shook isn't the kingdom of God. And listen to me. Hear me say it. It's okay if it gets shook out. Because we're supposed to be predestined to be conformed to the image of Christ. So anything that isn't like Christ needs to go from our lives. Amen? Now, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, 
let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Listen carefully when he asks this question. What is it that God is inviting us into when he invites us into a kingdom that cannot be shook or cannot be shaken? What has he got in mind when he is inviting us to receive his kingdom which cannot be shaken? Now, I want to tie together some scripture. I don't have a lot of scripture because today I just want to talk to you. But think with me for a moment. We're receiving a kingdom that can't be shaken. The idea that you and I as sons and daughters of God are to participate with Jesus as part of the body of Christ. We are God's representatives here on planet earth. We are the body of Christ and so we are in connection with our head doing what he wants us to do here on planet earth. Now watch what he says here in Romans. And watch this invitation that he has given us in Romans chapter 8 beginning at verse 19. It says, for the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. Listen to me. Creation is waiting expectantly for the children of God to grow up and manifest on planet earth. All of creation is waiting for sons of God. Watch verse 20. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in the hope. Because the creation itself also, listen, the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pains together unto now. Now, you and I have been delivered from corruption. And we as sons and daughters of God are in a process of maturing we're in the process of receiving a kingdom that can't be shaking. We are participating with apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers as we receive the love of God, the mind of God, and become everything that we need to become to grow up unto him who is the head, you know, to the full stature, to the growth, maturity, where we become exactly like Jesus. Not the babe in the manger, but the full-grown man in his earthly ministry. That's what God's after with us. Now, he also says here that we are to walk in freedom. 
liberty. The liberty of the children of God. Creation isn't going to come into liberty and be free from corruption until you and I walk in liberty and become free from corruption. How many of you know this world's got a little bit of corruption going on? <laughs> Boy, that's an understatement, ain't it? Well, where is the corruption? Everywhere. Don't go acting like... I see corruption in me. Why? Well, because when the shaking comes, I don't always have grace. And I'm saying, Lord, I need this grace you're talking about. Now, God wants liberty made manifest because all of creation is expectantly waiting for the liberty and the maturity and the revealing of the sons of God. Now, in saying this, I want you to understand that I believe that there is a kingdom mandate going on. So that's why I asked this question. I've asked it, but I want to re-ask the question because I want you to hear what I believe God wants to say to us. What is God expecting in 2021 from Christ and his body? What is God expecting from Christ and his body? Christ is the head of the church. He's the communicator with the church. He's the life of the church. Jesus said, I've come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. He is who we are connected to. We are the body of Christ. What is the kingdom mandate? What is it that God wants to do through us here on planet earth in 2021? Now, let me make a couple of statements. I'm a pastor of a local church. I don't want to get sidetracked, but I could go down a whole thing of dealing with the church and looking at the church and telling you there's all kinds of problems with the church in general and what the church is and what we've allowed the church to become. But I want to make this statement clearly when I say to you, the kingdom should govern the church. The church doesn't govern the kingdom. The kingdom of God is what we are to preach. And the kingdom is what governs the church. The church doesn't dictate what the kingdom of God's going to do. Follow me. The kingdom is, we just, we just sang this. The kingdom is God's heart. The righteousness of God is within you. The kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God is within the body of Christ. The kingdom of God is the heart of God. God's heart, God's will was manifested through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that person that was manifested said, I will build my church. It's his church where he's the kingdom is the heart. Now, I believe that God has an objective towards which he's moving with the church and with everything that's going on right now. 
I don't like everything that's going on. It's not comfortable when a shaking begins to happen, when things don't go the way uh, a lot of people think they should, when things get in turmoil, when things get in chaos. We, we look at all the things going on, and we, we, if we're not careful, we can get in fear. But those of us who understand God and His kingdom and we're walking with God, we've got to understand that God has an objective towards which He is moving, and I want to see I want to see God's objective and embrace what he's got in store this year for his kingdom and for his people, his body here on planet earth. Now, I made this statement last week. I want to make it again because I think it's critical that we understand this. Let me tell you something that's worse than failure. What's worse than failure is succeeding at doing something God's not wanting us to do. It's worse than failure. I mean, to fail trying to do what God wants you to do is better than succeeding and accomplishing something God doesn't want accomplished. So we, as the church, we need to understand what good is it for us to accomplish something if it's not God's purpose or God's objective or God's will for our lives? So, to succeed at something that God's not after is not good. So, we need to understand why the kingdom of God is essential. Now, please understand when I say this, the kingdom of God is essential. Let me just, would you say that with me? Say that. Say the kingdom of God is essential. Now, it's so essential that our spiritual inheritance may be lost if we don't see kingdom in its value. I personally believe if we don't see the kingdom of God and the value of the kingdom, righteousness, peace, and joy, if we don't see the value of the kingdom, we're in trouble. We're in trouble as a church. Now, one of the things that God is saying today that I think is extremely important, he's saying a lot of things, but one of the things that he's saying that I believe is extremely important is the word identity. Identity, that is... Who are we? Who are we? Who did God make us to be? Well, kingdom is who we are in God's eyes. Maybe not in your eyes or my eyes, but in God's eyes, we're the body of Christ. We're the hands, feet, legs, arms, Everything that Christ is doing here on the church, everything that on the earth, everything that God is doing, we carry the kingdom inside of us. So when God sees us, what he sees is in his eyes, we are the kingdom. The kingdom is who we are for correct identity. So we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shook. A kingdom, receiving, ongoing process, a kingdom which cannot be shaken. Now, 
The kingdom, as I've said, is the heart of God and the church is an expression of the heart of God. Now what I mean by that is every Sunday, I preached on this a few weeks ago when I talked about the body of Christ and started looking at all of the particular parts, but the church, the church is every Sunday when I come into this church, to this body, and I look around, I, I look around and I see the body of Christ. I see arms, I see legs, I see fingers, I see hands, I see legs, I see people who are part of the body. You've read through Corinthians when he talks about the function of the body and everybody's not the same. It's a many-membered body. We are all part of the body of Christ the, uh, and that's something that's there. But do you know something that I never see when I come to church? I never see your heart. I never see a heart sitting here. There's a many-membered body. But the heart is not something you visibly see. I've never seen a heart at church. Now, I've seen hearts on a few occasions in pictures. I've laid on a table where they have a screen there and they go up into your heart and put stents. I've watched them put stents in my own heart. You understand that? And I've sitting there and I see that thing beating. I see them going and I've seen it in that kind of a setting. I've seen my heart in, in those ways, and it's fascinating. I mean, I've been fascinated by the intricacy of what goes on and the working. But I got to look at y'all and say, you know, when I look at a heart, I'm not particularly impressed by its beauty. I don't look at a heart and say, isn't that a pretty thing? Isn't that beautiful? But I'm going to tell you, it's essential, man. It is critical. Listen to me. The body needs a heart. Help me, Lord. The kingdom is the heart of God and the church, which are the hands, the feet, the eyes, the ears, the torso. We are an expression of that heart. Guys, do you understand if my heart stops, this body no longer can function? So how do we keep the kingdom of God that is within us? Think about this for a moment. Why did Jesus say, seek first the kingdom? Y'all remember that without me going right? He said, seek first the kingdom. I hope you can follow me now. Seek first the kingdom. He, he didn't say seek first the church. He said, seek first the kingdom. I've been wrestling for three weeks how I'm going to present what I'm about to present right now. So would you just say this with me, dear Lord? Open my heart to understand what pastor's trying to say. When I use the word, and I don't know any better word, but I'm going to try to illustrate this, but when I use the word an arche, A-R-C-H-E, an arche, 
An arche is where we get the word architect. You know what an architect is. It's someone who designs and builds. That's what an architect is. But when I use the word arche, arche means the first person involved in something new. Let me try to explain it in several ways, but I, 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 I want to take just a moment. I want to take my time right here because I really want you to get what I'm saying. Here are three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And these three persons, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, they get together and they say to each other, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. In other words, we're going to create an arcade. We're going to create a being, an individual. We're going to create something that's going to live on planet Earth. And so the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit made man in their image. They create this person and they become the architect of this man that they created. An architect, again, is someone who designs and oversees the construction of things. Now, three persons, namely the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, bring forth a per fourth person. Now, this can happen where you bring about a person that is what I would call a non-corporal person. Now, stay with me just a moment. Corpus meaning body. A non-corporal corporal person. Let me try to illustrate where I'm going with this. Non-corporal beings are those beings that have no physical form. I could list you hundreds of these, but I want to try to present it today in a way where you understand. I'm still trying to illustrate this. Let's say that me and Lou and Dave get together and we say, let's start a gang, G-A-N-G. Y'all know what a gang is? What are you saying? Let's start a non-corporal being, an entity, if I could call it that. I'm using the word gang because I, 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 I want you to understand corruption. I want you to understand what it is I'm trying to say. I want to say this in a way that you can get it. But let's say that we form a gang. Now, you know, um, there, there are all kinds of gangs out here. Do you all remember I read about Hell's Angels? That's a gang. You read about the Crips. You all ever heard of the Crips? The Bloods. Now, here's what I want you to understand. Do you all understand that if you join and become a part of a non-corporal being, you become influenced by what the thoughts, the wills, and the actions of that group is? 
That non-corporal being that's been created has power and authority. Do you know how many parents' little children have got involved in gangs and they became murderers because of the influence of the gang that they were a part of? They became a part of a non-corporal being that was created an entity that's there. Now, follow me. Hear what I'm saying. They have actually, when you create a non-corporal being, you have actually created a person. If I could say it that way, when a man or a woman is under the influence of a negative corpus or a negative body, They are under the influence of a RK, an RK. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Are you listening to me? Principles, RKs, there are forces at work. Do you all realize how many powerful forces there are out there? How many RKs there are? But I'm using this gang because this, let's just say one of our children becomes a gang member. Being a part of that gang, they have certain gang activity and they go get involved in a gang activity and there's things that happen in that because they want to control, they want power, they want authority. They begin to operate in that power and that authority and they do things and they behave in ways that they shouldn't behave. It's an RK. They become dangerous. They become murderers. They are governed by an entity. They are governed by an influence. Help me, Lord, to say this. Do you know what it is? Do you know what a gang is? It's a many-membered body of beings who operate together to accomplish a purpose. I'm saying that to get you to understand what it is in a gang because I want you to understand that the church is an archaic. It's a many-membered body that should be functioning with a purpose, an objective in mind. Listen to me. We are a many-membered body We are a non-corporal being. We are an identity. We have authority. Dear Lord, now in a gang, you understand that our children could be a part of a gang and become dangerous become murderers because they're influenced by that identity that's there. Now listen to me. This entity is totally spiritual. It's totally spiritual. And this entity, the Crips, the Bloods, were created by human beings. Human beings decided they were going to do something and this is their territory, this is their realm of influence, this is where they control and they operate and function that way. Help me, Lord. God has given humanity an ability 
and authority to create things. So we create an entity. Let me make an illustration about us. One day, I, along with some other folks who were involved in ministry, decided that we were going to begin an entity called Rama Christian Center. And this entity is going to become a church. It was originally a school called Rama Christian Academy, and because of things that took place, we decided we were going to create and we met out here one Sunday in that building over there and the first Sunday, 142 many-membered members showed up to be a part of that entity, that RK. Now listen to me. We created a non-corporal being. Help me, Lord. Do you realize that every church out here is a non-corporal being? They have a personality. They have an identity. You, you, you know, we, we even inside of denominational ties, but we put ties on them. We say, well, that's Methodists over there. That's Pentecostals over there. That, that's Episcopalians over here. That's Catholics over here. And they are multi-membered bodies that work together and function. Help me, Lord. So, every church has its own personality. That personality can be positive or that personality can be negative according to whether or not we are able to preserve the principles on which we embrace and stand for the church's purpose. Listen to me. The church is to build and receive a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Help me, Lord. You know, we have the ability as human beings to create children. I'm glad we have children here today because as human beings, we have an ability to create children. The day that I married Sam and Peugeot and participated in officiating that service, they created a non-corporal being called a family we identified as the McClung family. Many-membered body. I know Brack's got it together whether anybody else in the family does or not because he knows the best birthday present is being at church. But listen to me. That entity didn't exist until they united and became together and formed something. Is everybody with me? Are y'all understanding what I'm saying? I want you to just stick with me because I'm headed somewhere with this. Help me, Lord. 
So children are born out of creativity. Some families create orphans. Two people get together, have a child, and they walk away. They create an orphan. Some families get together, and the children, the thing they created, have been neglected. Some families get together, and, 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 and the children are used. I mean, I, I had to deal with that. You know, I can remember my kids as teenagers looking at each other and saying, I think the only reason Dad had us was so we could get him a Coke or fix him a sandwich or do something. Y'all ever hear that? I mean, that was what they, that's where they were. They thought that's why, you know, it's like he used them. And I probably did, not intentionally in a mean way, I'm just saying. It's, but 44 years ago, Sheila and I created a family, a non-corporal being. Follow me. Am I talking about this? And when I'm speaking about this, I, I really want you to hear me say this. The kingdom of God is an entity, a non-corporal being made up of a many-membered body. It is an arche, it is a power, listen to me, and whether you see it or not, whether you understand it or not, whether you honor the foundations of why God gave Jesus Christ a kingdom. God gave Jesus Christ a kingdom and he bestowed upon him a kingdom and he was to look over and watch that kingdom. Turn with me to Luke 22. Luke chapter 22. Verse 25 is where I want to read because I, I want you to see Jesus gave his 12 disciples a kingdom. God gave Jesus a kingdom. But in Luke 22, beginning at verse 25, it says the kings, he said to them, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them and those who exercise authority over them are called benefactors, givers. They were stuff who endowed people. But not so among you. On the contrary, he who is greatest among you, let him be as the younger and he who governs as he who serves. For who is greater, he who sits at the table or he who serves? Is it not he who sits at the table? Yet I am among you as the one who serves. But you are those who have continued with me in my trials. And watch. And I bestow upon you a kingdom just as my father bestowed one upon me that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. He is giving the disciples a created entity called the kingdom of God. Listen to me. Here's what we have as the kingdom of God. We have a kingdom that God has given us that's eternal, that's unshakable. Say that with me. Say unshakable. It's something that carries God's eternal purpose here on the earth. Help me, Lord. Now, what I'm hoping to do in this series and in this year of 2021 
is to show you and I what that purpose is and allow us to understand why Jesus said, seek first the kingdom. If we're seeking anything else first, we're missing. Do you know that a lot of churches are seeking seeking heaven, seeking blessings, seeking prosperity, seeking all kinds of things. And I'm not trying to be negative about that, but he said, seek first the kingdom. And if we stay focused on the kingdom, great things are going to happen. Please hear me when I say, if he would have said, seek first the church, with all the struggles the church has, with all the problems the church has, with all the failures the church has, churches fail and churches succeed. Churches are wonderful and churches are very complicated. Churches are a lot of things, but he didn't say seek first the church. He said seek first the what? Kingdom. So he said to me and you and you and you and you and you and us, he said for us to seek first the kingdom. Why? Because the kingdom is an eternal, unshakable, arche entity that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit has created to rule here on planet Earth. So, I want to understand the kingdom. I want to know what it means to seek the kingdom. I want to know from this point of view that I'm bringing to you this morning, I want you to understand how important it is for us to seek the kingdom of God and for us to be increasingly loyal to the kingdom, for us to be increasingly committed to being loyal and faithful and embracing kingdom principles that birth the church that Jesus once birthed. It's the kingdom of God that we're after today. It's a non-corporal being that should be influencing every one of our lives. Do you know what rules the kingdom of God? Love. I have people all the time say, let me tell you how to use faith. I'll tell you how to use faith. Faith is, And then I read that verse, it says, faith works by love. And I'm thinking, your arrogance don't work faith, love does. You know? Our world's so messed up, we say, love is patient. But it's amazing how we have a couple, a young couple want to get married and they love each other so much that they can't be patient and wait to get married. Oh, 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 love, love, love. They don't know what love is. Love is patient. Love is kind. Y'all, I'm way ahead of myself. I'm jumping ahead. We're going to find out what God is, what the kingdom is, and what love is.